Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Well, our next guest doesn't think it's worth the time, effort, or energy. In fact, she'd say you're better off teaching your pet how to have world-class tricks. So we're not talking pets, we're talking people. How to get the most out of your people, how to focus on their strengths, how to mitigate their weaknesses, but how to do it so that you actually get more out of the team that you have. Today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Very excited to have Dana Shaw Aramoto on the call. Dana is an old friend. She just knows how to harness talent just about better than anybody. She is a big fan of Strength Finder. She'll talk about that at length. She's also the CEO and founder of Phoenix the Fifth or Phoenix Five. And she hires, consults, and works with some of the best top talent in the country and certainly here in Silicon Valley. She's going to talk to us about talent, finding the right talent, how to harness and get the most out of them, how to take this biggest expenditure for your organization and turn it into something truly amazing. Not just in theory, not just, oh, let's all make everyone better, but she really knows how to focus on getting the most out of your people. But I won't give it away. I'm going to let Dana do all the talking. So without further ado, on to Dana. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have our next guest on, Dana. Um, Dana, as is usual with the podcast, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us who you are and why you're here. Hi, thanks for having me, Todd. I'm Dana Shaw-Arimoto, and I'm the CEO and founder of Phoenix to the Fifth. I'm here to share a little bit of wisdom and some traps to avoid when it comes to harnessing your team's assets. Perfect. Okay, so pretty pretty broad brush there, but uh, we're going to narrow this down a little because I think there's some really great um, aspects here for for founders. Uh, you know, Dana. Also worth mentioning, you and I are friends. We're pals. We've uh, spent a lot of time together, and I've been really impressed with how you've gone into organizations and helped them to rethink their resources, their teams, their assets. Um, and one of the things that you've done a lot of work on is kind of building these cross-functional teams. So, so let's kind of dive into that, especially with, you know, founders and teams, you never have enough resources, you never have enough people. Uh, it's always easy to say, well, if we could just hire 10 more people, we could do X, but that's rarely the case. They're rarely afforded that. So start, let's start us off with, you know, how do you come in and help organizations that are really struggling with this? Hey, I got to do. I got to do all of this work, but I don't have the teams or people to do it. You help them rethink that. Let's let's start there. Sure. So we all do more with less, and that's been going on for a while. That's not like a current economic condition. We've been doing that for a while, right? Right. So I think what's really critical is step one, and it's a little Jim Collins like, but who do you have on the bus? So not just your biggest line item in any budget. I don't care if you're an owner operator, founder, or even a bigger corporation, startup and nonprofit. This is a universal truth. Our people are our greatest assets and our biggest line item in our budget, one and the same. So bear that in mind and picture for me, if you will, looking at what people bring to that party. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? 
And what is it you're going to do to harness those people as assets to do more with less, to take you to market, and to make sure that you are set up for growth? That's step one, thinking about it differently. It's a bit of a mindset shift for some people, especially if you think about a scrappy, idealistic, entrepreneurial, owner-operator, founder type, even inventors. Sometimes we forget that there's a team around us that brings so much to the table and we need to be really clear that we're gonna harness what it is that they bring and position them for success and to utilize their strengths and not their weaknesses. All right, so that's that's great. And I, I don't think we've lost too many people that would look at that and say, well, that's just a terrible idea. I think everyone would agree that that's the right approach to take. I think the challenge that people face is, okay, so, so how do I go in and actually do that? How do I put that into operation? It's one thing to say that. We're also running around like crazy people trying to get a bunch of stuff done. And this could be a long, drawn-out process. It also feels a little, um, uh, little touchy-feely. And so how do I, as a founder, <laughs> actually go and put this into place, right? I think that's one of the struggles that they, they face. Great idea. Now, now what do I do? Yeah, so the, the tagline and my brand promise for my company, which I founded July 1st, 2016, is Accelerating Transformations. So there's a couple of pieces. The first piece is know what you got. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. You could insert that Kenny <laughs> Rogers tune right here, yes. right now. You could sing it, Todd. I've got that in my yeah. head now for the rest of the day. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. Yes, <laughs> it ain't just for poker. So here's the deal. If we're really straight up and we know what makes people tick and we know what people bring to the party, we can actually move a mountain. If we position people in areas of weakness or areas that you want to develop or that they're not quite getting, it doesn't usually work because people are who they are. So instead, my number one recommendation and the baseline that I use for all of my coaching clients and all of my strategic advisory clients and even the boards I'm on is a little tool that may or may not be known to your audience called Strengths, plural, Finder. And it was originally founded many, many, many years ago, over 15 years ago, by a company called Clifton, really people, a family called Clifton. And they sold and merged in a way with, um, sorry, with Gallup, the Gallup organization, which most people have heard of. And today, StrengthFinders, in its current state, has over 18 and a half million people that have taken this assessment, not test, really important. It's an assessment to figure out where people's top five strengths lie. And they come in four flavors, executing, influencing, relationship building, and strategic thinking. And there are 34 possible strengths traits. And what I use as a coach is sort of that as a baseline. It's very inexpensive. It's 20 bucks. You can go online and take it. You can order the book on Amazon and read all about it. And that's really the first thing I do with companies and teams is assess people's strengths. And I use that as a tool. Want more? All right. So let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So now you, you have, uh, you have 
the strength finders tool. So it starts to give you a sense of, of, um, uh, their values, what they do, again, very much focused on their strengths, not their weaknesses. For those that have done like Myers-Briggs or DISC or some of the others, would you say they're similar in approach, different outcomes, of course, but similar, like a similar test? Is that safe territory for most people? Yeah, yes and no. So Myers-Briggs, Caliper, DISC, Hogan, uh, Predictive Index, all of those are a bit more, if you think about it, a personality type assessment. This is much more about a leading indicator to what you bring to the table and what makes you a secret weapon. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. There's no gaming in this system or this assessment. Believe me, I've had over 700 people take it in they try to game it sometimes or they'll say, gosh, you know, I really tried to neutralize my answers, but in fact, it knew me. Well, that's partly because it's so incredibly statistically valid with the sheer numbers of people that have taken it across many, many countries. But more importantly, it's because what it's doing is a little Jack Welshian in thinking. It's looking for people's strengths and not their weaknesses, because in fact, what we believe is that using people's weaknesses to develop them is a big fat waste of their time and yours, especially for owner and founder types. You need to accelerate through that curve and move fast. We all want double digit growth. That's a no brainer. That's table stakes for any growing company, whether it's early stage or late stage, et cetera. And so really harnessing and knowing what those strengths are in those categories right away is actually a way to accelerate through that curve through and with your teams of people. So we have to know, and this gets you to know really, really quickly and without any apologies for what people don't bring to the table. It's kind of like, who cares? Are they in the right role? Are they using these strengths as an asset? And what are they bringing to the team that complements what we already have in everyone? Perfect. Okay. So now we sort of set the table. Um, you start to get a sense of who your teams are and what values they have, what strengths they have. Um, you get to assess people and probably see some things in them that they may have known or suspected, but you get to really understand your, your people and your organization. Right? So now you've got a, a better sense of what you've got to work with, the resources, the assets within your company. What's the, what's the next step? What do, what do folks start do, doing here at this stage? Great. It's totally sequential. So you clearly get it. Let's get everybody else up to speed with us. So the next thing is to absolutely share those results across the team. There are many companies that have an entire company of employees with their strengths finders in a matrix. So you can see everybody's executing strengths and everybody's influencing strengths and everybody's relationship building strengths and everybody's strategic thinking strengths where you have them, where you don't, and how they work together. So think of it like an interlocking puzzle, almost like a Rubik's Cube, coming together with just the right twists and turns to get everything all green, because green means go. And that was an activator comment, one of the number one entrepreneurial strengths, as an example, which falls under the influencing category. Dare I say, Todd, that is you. <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's nice to know that you, you know me. And uh, for those of you that are, that are listening, I've taken the strength finders and Dana has been actually helpful in helping me to understand where my strengths and, and uh, core strengths are. And it was illuminating for me, not only in understanding and seeing, um, but also having it prioritized against my other strengths. There weren't any major surprises, but it was enough that I could look at it and say, yes, this actually validates all the things that I think I'm good at. And it was interesting to see that all laid out. So, so yes. So thank you for, for pointing out one of my key strengths, Dana. Okay. Yeah. So keep, so keep going. So, so tell us what, what's the process? What do we keep doing? Sure. So now everybody knows what they have and what they bring and how they work together and where there may be gaps in the team, not in the person, but in the team overall. So for example, if you're missing some heavy influencing strengths, but you want to go to market, you want to accelerate, you want to evangelize your product or service or idea, it's really hard to do that if you have an entire team of strategic thinkers and heavy executors. Strategic thinking and doing. You also need to have the right mix of influencing because otherwise, who the heck's going to promote what you're doing and evangelize it out in the market? That's the next step. Okay. So you're, you're walking us through here. So now, now we've got a, a team of people and you know where your assets lie. Okay. So I think it's, it's one thing to say, we'll pull together a cross collaborative team, but how, how does a leader actually go about doing that? And I think this is where one of those, I know what to do, right? It's like a CEO once said to me, it's great you tell me that I need to diet and exercise. I know that. But tell me what's my meal plan and give me an exercise uh, uh, program that I need to go do. Tell me what I need to do each day. So let's, let's go to that level of detail. Help us help, us help them think through what okay, is it exactly Jerry. they need to do. Yes, Jerry Maguire. So <laughs> this is the most important piece of all of it, and this is really where – Making it practical, making it actionable, and making it really simplified comes in. And you can do that via coaching. You can do it on your own if you have that skill set. It's really critical that you look to someone on the team if you've got it internally or get help externally to simplify this and then put it into action. Because otherwise, it's just theory. And it's kind of like, so what? Is that fair? Yes. Okay. So here's how you do it. Three of the companies I ran, two of which we grew and sold very successfully, what we did was realize, okay, we've got a lot of strengths on the team. People are working in that interlocked way. We have now identified a couple of gap areas on the team, and in particular, critical work that needs to get done that no one owns. I'll give you a very tangible example. Product marketing, something critical for a company with SaaS technology. This is one of the companies I ran. We didn't have a product marketer. We didn't have budget, and we weren't going to change our mind. Maybe not the greatest decision. We didn't know you, Todd, so you would probably <laughs> talk some sense into us. So here's what we did. We took the team. We looked at their strengths. We worked on getting them to interlock. We realized what we were missing, and we hired to the gap, and then we brought in some freelance talent to continue bringing in what we were missing. And we built a cross-functional SWAT team people that were responsible that didn't normally work together 
across the organization, and this is a pretty small company, like 35 employees, and we put five people onto a crew and we said, look, you don't normally get a chance to work together, now you do. And like Google 20% Club to invent Gmail, you can work on anything you want 20% of the time, but the company owns the result. We didn't have 20% time, we weren't Google. But we had a couple of hours a week where people could literally work on a new project having to do with how we marketed our SaaS technology product. And we brought them together very specifically based on strengths and based on having a devil's advocate on that team that would really say to them, but wait, what if this fails? What's the worst case scenario? Some analysis coming out of the analytical strength, which is a strategic thinking strength. We made sure to put one of those people who might even play the naysayer role on that team. And we said, you have one thing you need to do. And we identified what that one thing was. Now go, spend two hours a week, meet together. If you need a little budget, come to me as the CEO for discretionary funds. I actually gave them 500 bucks. That wasn't wild money. And come to me and report out how you're moving the needle on this project. And come to me if you need an obstacle clear or a door opened, right? That's the CEO's job. Mm -hmm. Tiebreaker kind of scenario. And other than that, like get this done and work together and work through the team. And no one owns that function or job. But let me tell you, they move the needle really fast. They worked hard together, they learned about one another, they shored each other up, and they came to the table with a solution that the company desperately needed. And I didn't have to spend the funds to hire a full-time product marketer. That's how it works. So that, that is fascinating, and I see that this could happen fairly easily, fairly quickly in other organizations, and it avoids the trap of, um, I need to go hire a team or a group or a subject matter expert or even bringing in a large consultancy to come in and solve that problem. Why do you, why do you think that method works in an organization? Because those are, those are phenomenal results. You got a lot done. You focus people's attention without having to be overly prescriptive. And they rolled up their sleeves and got it done. Why do you, why do you think that method works in an organization? Because it's ownership, empowerment, and back to the harnessing of what they bring to the table. People want to contribute. Or why in the world would they join a company? Give them a chance to contribute. Give them a chance to stretch. Rise that tide, and you will never be disappointed with what people will come up with. And quite frankly, as CEOs and owners and operators, we have a lot of great ideas. Sometimes people get intimidated to bring up their own ideas and their own vision when they kind of always look to the owner-operator CEO for those answers. And this also gives you, as an owner-operator CEO founder, a break. So it really has so many tenants to it that you can anticipate the results of what you need to get done, which is critical, a little bit of a break for yourself for always being the one. And frankly, even in some cases, you may be surprised by what people bring to the table that you have not seen before in their core daily gig. Pretty incredible, frankly. I'll give one other quick example. Please. As companies grow, sometimes, and, and as your audience listens to this, I bet heads will be nodding, as you grow, what became kind of a family or lifestyle company can turn into a growth machine. 
And things that you used to do may not scale or work. And I'll give you a perfect example. Celebrating people's birthdays. Now, I am a relator, which is a relationship building strength. And it's my top strength. It's the trusted advisor. I'm a vault. I want to be in the inner circle. I'd rather die than break a trade secret or any secret or break confidence. I care deeply about people. But even I, as I was growing companies, realized we can't just celebrate everybody's birthday all the time. As much as I'd love to, it's actually a time suck in some ways. And it doesn't yield the highest results. And we're all getting fat on cake. So here's what we did. Took the same concept created a couple of different SWAT teams. I have a client doing this right now. And I said to them, okay, first of all, you're gonna be responsible for finding a new way to make sure everybody feels celebrated on their birthday, their anniversary, having a baby, getting married, milestones. And we had people all over the world, a couple people in India, a couple people in London, so this was challenging. And I said, so that's the goal, that's the mission. I want you to name your SWAT team, have a little fun. I want a captain of the SWAT team who I'll give a little budget to, and you guys come up with a way. So they surveyed everybody in the company, and not like an electronic survey. Please, if you have a small company, just talk to people. And they figured out what people really wanted and what would make them feel heard and listened to and celebrated and all that good stuff. And they came up with a solution that kind of blew my mind. It didn't take them very long. It was incredibly low budget. And eventually what we did was, because they came up with it, they called themselves Esprit Decor. They actually figured out how to do a virtual monthly celebration to honor everybody having a milestone in the month. And we took an hour out of the schedule and all celebrated and focused on those people. And it was a complete win-win. Well, and it sounds like, so what I'm hearing you say with this is, it's it's not just about solving a particular problem like a product marketing role or a go-to-market strategy or a product gap or something along those lines that you can use this for a variety of different uh, issues, obstacles, hurdles, problems, whatever you want to call them within the organization and by creating these cross-functional teams and having just direct conversations with people, and I love your point about the surveys in particular, um, there's, it's easy to go in and use these automated tools, and they're great, but there's nothing better than sitting down and actually having a conversation with folks. But you can still go in and create these amazing experiences for people using these teams to get great value, and you can do this across all walks, divisions, organizations within your company. Exactly. That's a great summary. And, and just a quick plug, if you're going to survey, whether it's electronically or, you know, direct, ensure you do something with the results of that survey or don't survey at all. Okay, so, so explain that one a little bit further. Yeah, there are many companies that do survey ad nauseum. And maybe some of it is, you know, over the phone and some of it's Skype and some of it is electronic with a tool like a survey monkey. And that's all well and good, depending on the size and the scope. If you get results of the survey, especially an employee-based survey, and you don't do anything to change things after getting people to tell you what they want and what works and what doesn't, you're better off not surveying at all. All right. Good counsel. Good feedback. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. So we're, you know, we're on this broad topic of, of the workforce and, and I know you've worked, um, you know, you've worked in talent management. You've, you are, you are a, um, whether you have the title or not, you are a chief people officer. You are very, very talent resource people focused. And it's one of your, your greatest strengths and greatest attributes as, as I've gotten to know you. So, Help us help the founder that's listening to this, the entrepreneur, um, as they're growing their business and as they're thinking about resourcing and people and they're, they're tackling these big problems. What are some of the things that you would want to focus their attention, help them with in terms of um, building their teams, using their teams wisely? The strength finders and building these cross-functional teams is fantastic. Let's, let's give them a little bit more. I'm sure they're hungry for it. What else you got? Sure. That's a great question. Have a talent strategy because most companies have strategies for just about everything that you then execute against. And you do course corrections along the way. What's working? What's not? Has the market changed? What's happening internally? What's happening externally? We're constantly, I don't really like this word because it's become overused, but it does describe it. We're constantly pivoting towards what works and away from what doesn't. So many companies do not have a actual strategy for their talent. And that's not just your internal talent, but that's any external workforce that you use. Temp, seasonal workers, contractors, independents and freelancers. We know there's a gig economy and most likely you're already using gig workers. You're using them through platforms like Upwork or you're using seasonal people or interns. Make sure there's an actual strategy for the talent that is looked at up and with your overall corporate strategy. What's the one thing you're focused on this year? What's the growth strategy? What's the target? What's the number? And what are those people and their assets on the team that are going to get it done? And do you have the right people and the right mix of talent working on these goals? That is critical. Okay. Love it. Um, you know, Dana, the 20, 25 minutes for these calls go by really, really quickly. And so we're going to have to wrap up here in a second, but I want to, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to close out. That was a, a great, uh, additional thought. What would, if you're thinking about summing up what we kind of talked about today in terms of helping, helping owner operators, founders, helping these people that are thinking through Again, resource constrained. Maybe this is their first rodeo. This is their first time going through it. Um, and they've had this great product idea, but now they've got this organization to run. What advice do you want to give them? Where do they turn to? Who do they look for for help when they need assistance and guidance? What's the, what's the steps they should take? Where do they find um, uh, the next great idea? Sure. I mean, there's endless resources that are free, right? You can do a quick Google search on the word team and come up with 75 options. I think what's more important, though, in sort of helping yourself is to really ask and work through the team again. And don't be afraid to hear their ideas and then let them take action against them. It's not all on you, even though it probably feels that way. We don't have Atlas syndrome. 
even though it may be your money, and many times it is, and you may be leveraged or there's VC money or PE money or whatever it is, you really want to work with and through the team. So that starts with knowing what you've got, knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them. Not everybody's going to work out, and that's okay. Don't be afraid to switch people's roles. If they bring something to the table that's valuable in your company, but it's not the current gig they're in, it's okay to shift them around. The other thing I see for early stage companies in particular, kind of in the zero to five million range or even in the zero to 10 million range, that's the hardest initial slog, if you will. I mean, we all know year one in particular and getting even to your first million is really the toughest thing to do. And then five million and then 10 million. And it gets a little bit easier and different after that. The problems get bigger, but the challenges in some ways get easier. And um, what I really suggest is that you are missing an opportunity if you don't work with and through the team to shift their roles to make sure they fit what you need and what they bring to the table. And in fact, as you think towards scale and efficiency, which is really critical, especially after 10 million, not everybody has to jump on everything. Not everybody has to wear a company hat and everybody gets into the pond together to work on everything when there's a crisis or a new client. It's like everybody does everything, it's chaos. Start to think through the horizon as to how you're going to scale your business and become more efficient even before you need to. And that's how to get yourself in an anticipation spot and start to think about, okay, not everybody has to do everything, but again, are they in alignment with what they do bring? And certainly, I, you know, of course, I'm going to be an advocate for coaching because that's what I do. And I think there are ways to do coaching that are light versions, and then there are ways to do coaching that are heavy versions. I also think if you have someone on the team that's coming out of a scenario that's maybe experienced in this, harness them. Harness them right away as you're building your talent strategy and looking toward the future horizon. Make sure you're using what you've got internally before you start going external. And if you just need some advice, don't be afraid to get some advice and then implement it. It doesn't have to be a lifelong engagement. All right. Love it. Dana, thank you for hopping on today. I uh, very much appreciate your perspectives on this. But I think it's at, at the core of this, the one thing that's really key is we hear this time and again of, I know all this work that I need to do, and I know that I need to go do it. I know it's a problem for me. I just don't know how to, you know, it's like a, a blanket that won't fit your toes or your head, right? Something's always cold. And so they never have enough blanket to cover everything that they need. And I think you've done is help them to rethink, um, you know, how they're putting that blanket together, how to readjust their teams, how to readjust their talent, how to rethink um, tackling some of the problems they have by using existing resources in new, unique, different ways. But not just doing it in a unique way, it's helping to rethink the assets, the strengths, the values that people have within your organization and put them to the best use. And I think there's um, ancillary benefits that happen from that. So, just having this conversation and knowing that there's other people out there that are doing this, that this is a tried and true method that works and giving some practical advice has been really helpful. And so I'm sure uh, the listeners have really appreciated it as well, but I've appreciated just hearing you not on this occasion, but also in other times really talk through this and it's helped open my eyes too. So thank you very much for jumping on the call with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. Thanks Dana. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Well, excellent. I love Dana's point of view. Uh, love how she starts thinking about talent, how she thinks about them as not trying to develop the greatest weakness, but really focusing on the strength, how to think about managing your organization, how to think about teams, especially if you're in a small team, just going up and talking to people and engaging in that conversation. Simple, small, practical things that go a very, very long way in your ability to manage your organization. If you'd like to follow Dana, well, and I certainly suggest you do, then you can follow her on Twitter, and that's Dana to the fifth, D-A-N-A-T-O-T-H-E-5-T-H. Her website is also phoenixfifth, and that's with a five, dot com. And for me, we'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast. Just click that little button that says subscribe. Leave us a favorable review if you feel so inclined. And subscribe to the website, and that's foundersplace.co. Foundersplace.co, the place where exceptional founders grow. Thanks for listening, and we'll hope to see you again next week. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.